0: Hi. Hi, and welcome to Look Good for the Boys, a horror gossip podcast. I'm Philip.
1: I'm Andy. Cool. Hi, I'm Andy. Hello. <laughs> it's me, Andy. Hello. It's Hi. The, it's you. Howdy. Andy. Hi. Welcome. Sup.
0: This week's episode is dedicated to Nothing. Is dedicated to the Angelas out there. Yeah? Yeah. You know, Brian al- already had his thing. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> we already had a Brian week. Yep. Special is,
0: shout out to Brian, number
1: one. This is Angela week, which also, you know what? Angelo, Angel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Angela. Yep. Those all fit. Those all work. Angie. If you just
0: go yeah. by Angie. Or Ange. Yep. But that's where it ends. That, yeah. Don't get clever with us after that. Yeah.
1: Angley. It's Angley's day, too. No. No? No, it's Jesus. not hanging. Wow, okay. I said,
0: don't get clever with me.
1: All right, I guess I got too <laughs> clever. It's July. Oh, yeah, we made it. We made it into July. Now we're, we can't be proud anymore. No, we are going back into our closets. Yep. No, fuck that. We're still here. We're still queer. Stay used to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're taking July, too. Fuck you. You know what? I'm just going to throw this out there. How about
0: since we're... On a crusade to have October, to have Halloween season take over the neighboring months, let's yeah. do the same for Pride. Yeah. So Pride gets May and July now.
1: Yeah. And then October starts in August.
0: Yes. Yeah. And goes through November.
1: There's yeah. only two seasons now. It's just Pride and Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Pride and Halloween. And the rest is it, what? who gives a shit. Yeah. Sleep. No, I do like that. Yeah. Pride starts in June. You know what? Let's be fair. It's got to start in late May. That's what I said. You, Yeah, you need a whole week at least to mm-hmm. get prepared.
0: Okay, so like the final week of May is like Pride lead up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's preliminary Pride. Yeah, pre-Pride. Pre-Pride. <laughs> and then June up to August, let's say 15th. Let's say halfway through August. That's August fifteenth. Yeah. That's when Pride ends and October starts. Halloween starts, August 15th. Mm-hmm. And then it goes until November... I mean, it's still Halloween. Well, through Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So yeah, November thirtieth. Perfect. And then Christmas gets a month. Well, we'll give Christmas January too. Yeah, I mean, because who cares? Like Jan- what, January's, January's a garbage month. Nobody's
0: doing anything with January. No, that's where we all just sit around and be depressed. So Christmas might as well have yeah, it. Yeah, Christmas Nobody and, else and Hanukkah
1: it. and just win- we'll call it winter holiday month. Yeah. Is is December through. January. So that leaves us a dilemma, Andy. What and then we... fr- February through May is nothing.
0: Yeah, exactly. What do we do? Yeah, we... nothing. We don't do. It's over. It's canceled. <laughs> we just sit around and wait. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. That's... We'll fi- eventually. We'll find something to fill those months. Yeah. But until then, yeah, it's a nothing period sure. of the year. So it's still Pride.
1: It's still Pride, and it's summer. Well, Pride is summer. Come on, but. It's camp time, as well. Mm-hmm. Summer camp. So we we're looking at some summer camp movies that are kind of gay. Yeah, and now well, only they're that, big in the gay, cute, the queer community has embraced these two films.
0: We're also on a mission because we want to, you know, take those summer camps oh. out there that are struggling.
1: <laughs> the, yeah, if you're a horror fan, you might have noticed that a lot of summer camps. Are not doing great. No, no. They,
0: <laughs> the majority of them have some issues. You, that they you need might help say sorting summer
1: out. camps in horror movies have a, a problem, mm-hmm. and it seems to be a, an epidemic. So Andy and I decided that
0: we're going to help. We're going to help fix this problem.
1: One summer camp at a time. One summer camp
0: at a time. Well, today is two, but yeah, to, it, well, it's the, it's same, the same location. location yeah. You know. So we are going to start doing some camp revamp. Camp revamp. We're the camp revampers. So we're going to take a summer camp, and we are going to top to bottom, turn it upside down, figure out what's wrong with it, and make it work. We're going to save it from itself. Yep. We're going to trim some poison ivy and paint some cabins. And you know what? We have a lot of summer camps to pick through. Yeah. You know, we could we could stretch this into—I mean, we could make a whole summer out again,
1: of this. Yeah, again, there's not—I don't know if there's a summer camp in horror that's just had a nice time. Has there ever been one? Where it's like you go to summer camp and then it's fine. And nothing happens. And nothing happens. (laughs) And then the horror comes somewhere else. I want that
0: movie. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think it exists. No. So today we have in front of us two camps that are trying to make the same location work for them that aren't quite doing it. This is
1: another problem in horror is, you know, sometimes you get a summer camp that's a problem and someone else thinks that they can do better. Yep. in the same place and fix it. And the thing is, I get it. That's, you know, but they're not experts like we are. Exactly. We're, we, we are camp the experts. experts. We're going to fix it. Don't you know, just, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to go to Crystal Lake and turn it around. Not if you're not us. And
0: that's why every time they've done it, they failed because yeah. they're not
1: us. They're no, yeah, nobody, they're no camp <laughs> revampers. Nobody's calling us. Nobody's calling the camp revampers.
0: So today we are going to pay a visit to both Camp Rolling Hills and Camp New Horizons. Yes,
1: at the former location of Camp Arawak.
0: Was it the f- exact location or did they say it was on the same lake? I think it's on the, just on the same lake. Yeah, I think it's like next door. Yeah. But this definitely uh, Rolling Hills and New Horizons are the same camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So we are talking about Sleepaway Camp <laughs> 2, Unhappy Campers from 1988, and Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland from 1989.
1: Party all night, Teenage Wasteland!
0: We are not talking about Sleepaway Camp 1. We are not here to camp revamp Camp Arawak. That's for another time.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a different camp. Exactly. I feel like we're going to look
0: at these two together because it's the same. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's the same location, different Well, and both times. movies were shot at the same time. <laughs> they, yeah, back, yeah, they were they shot were back shot to back. They were shot back to back. Okay, so the way that we are going to go about this revamping today is that we are going to examine these two camps separately, from three different perspectives. We're going to talk about the facilities and activities at the camp. We are going to talk about the staff. And we are going to talk about the campers, also the code of conduct expected of these campers. Yeah. So before we get into all of that, there is one central problem we have to
1: set aside. Yeah. How do you solve a problem, like Angela... So yeah, Angela Baker... Slash Johnson. Slash Johnson <laughs> is... Uh... She's her own thing, and she is, you know, if you've seen these movies, and by the way, two and three are currently on Tubi, in fact, I think the first one's on Tubi, in fact, as well, right now, but Angela, she's a, she is a whole thing unto herself. Like, you'd say, obviously, the problem is, Angela, just take her away, and these camps are fine. Here's the thing, though, that's not really true. Right. Both of these camps have issues whether or not Angela's around, and yes, we all admit Angela murdering people is a problem. But that's its mostly. own problem. and Yeah, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a few people she kills that are like, well, maybe the world's better off. But let's just pretend she's not a factor.
0: Yeah. So we're removing the Angela problem for now. We're tabling it for the end.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to Angela. Yes. But assuming you can just take Angela away from these camps, they still have their problems. And, and we need to address those first before we deal with the Angela problem. Exactly. So, Camp Rolling Hills in Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers 1988. Eight. So Camp Rolling Hills.
0: Yes. Let's start with the facilities and activities.
1: Well, for okay, first of all, we have one of my favorite camp activities right off the bat, ghost stories. And it seems like a nice, you know, I like the woods in this movie. They're good woods. Woods is woods, but these are good woods. These are these are great woods. Real solid wood. Yeah. Real decent wood. And the campfire setup they have for their ghost storytelling is a nice, nice little thing. So that's good. That's good. And the ghost story we get at the beginning from TC, which is yeah, I want to hear more of that old
0: mausoleum story. Yes.
1: Yeah, so again, this is IMDb, so we know to you know maintain some form of critical thought while absorbing this information. But according to IMDb, one of the trivia notes there is that the story that TC is telling is a scene from House by the Cemetery. Oh, really? The Fulci film. Yeah. You know, I've seen House by the Cemetery a few times, but when I saw that, I was like, well, fuck, now I want to watch House by the Cemetery to see if this actually adds up. But I haven't had time to do it yet. So I will watch it, and I will report back later. Okay. On whether or not TC's ghost story is the, a scene from House by the Cemetery. Either way, and this, we'll get into this with staff, but TC's doing a great job with that ghost story, which leads me to believe that ghost storytelling it's not just a thing they do, it's like a thing that they they do and they, they encourage.
0: Well, TC is a head counselor. Yes. So this feels like an activity that he spearheaded because he, you know, it's, it's his fire. And, you know, Angela even makes a comment to that effect that this is like TC's thing. Because, yes. you know, when she comes to break it up, they're like, well, the head counselor's here. So clearly it's his. So it's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's That's the other thing. It's like a clandestine. Uh, it's like a secret ghost storytelling session that Angela says is a problem. And we'll come to this, but there are some rules at this place that seem weird. Yeah. Well, I
0: think that the, the campfire ghost storytelling is sort of like a end of the night. TC rounds up these people who would be interested in something like this and brings them. Okay. You know, so it's gotcha. like an unofficial activity. Still a great activity. Fully support it. I think it needs to be on the schedule. You know, like we need to make this a little
1: less yeah. Uh, taboo. Yeah. It, yeah. It shouldn't be forbidden storytelling. I mean, although maybe that helps with the thing, you know? Oh, right. Like it's the, a secret. Yeah, and, you it's know. secret. So we're doing it. But yeah, I will say this, it needs to be a little more regulated, at least as far as like whose turn it is goes, you know? Because we get a kid who's like talking over people, like the girls trying to tell a story. And when we come to the sleepaway camp story and there's some people talking over each
0: other. You know what you do? You introduce a story stick, like a, a
1: staff. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, Like whoever
0: has the staff, they're telling the story Yeah. And nobody else gets interrupted. So if you're telling an urban legend that you choose to tell, you get to tell it your way. Yeah. And when somebody else gets the staff, they can tell their own
1: version if they want. Or just take some notes from the Midnight Society and just be like, okay, tonight's so-and-so's night. For a story.
0: Oh, yeah. I like that. You know? okay.
1: They get the bag of stuff to throw on the fire. Yes. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, we can't have this, like, you know, devolving into, well, I know a thing. And, oh, I know a thing. And, you know. Because that uh, ruins there was the a- mood.
0: Yeah. You know, like, you can't build a creepy atmosphere if everybody's interrupting each other trying to tell the correct version of a story.
1: Yeah. And especially if there's, like, people, like, you know, using insensitive speech. In these stories, which we'll come to, but that's the thing I can think we need. I think we need a tolerance seminar at this camp. For both camps. (laughs) Yes. Well, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Camp New Horizons needs a whole DEI program. (laughs) Like there needs to be, uh, there might be, we might need to get a couple nonprofits involved over there as far as like educating some people on some things. But Rolling Hills definitely could benefit from Most of these activities having some form of structure and some form of, you know, guidance as far as like somebody chiming in to be like, hey, maybe that's not cool. And this will be a staff issue probably. Mm -hmm. But yeah, ghost storytelling is great. What's the story
0: the kid tells? It's that urban legend of like, oh, my sister's best friend's cousin found like a rat. In a bucket of fried chicken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's we've heard that before. Yeah,
1: Yeah. which is like, yeah, we get it. But that's not a story, kid. Like, it's not your turn this week.
0: So, yeah, other facilities and activities. I do want to point out something that I think is very underutilized in these camps. They have a really nice swimming pool. And no camp I ever went to had that. Like, you
1: swam in the fucking lake, you know? I've only been to two summer camps. But I don't remember there being a pool at either one. Right. It was just a lake.
0: So I feel like that I mean, there's a really long extended sequence
1: in the pool, but I still feel it's underutilized. Yeah, there we needed more pool time yeah. in the movie. And I don't know, maybe that is a facilities issue. Like maybe the pool had some problems. That we didn't know about, possibly. I mean, the nice thing about a lake is that you don't have to worry about cleaning it.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about pH levels. Yeah. I mean, or if kids I, peeing in it.
1: <laughs> if I were those kids, I wouldn't have left the pool probably. Yeah. So right? yeah, that's not. Maybe we get rid of the pool because it's not conducive to camp activities. I don't you know. Think. You're
0: right. It does feel very unsummer campy.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just in general, like I mean, I don't know if you went to a summer camp that had a pool, let us know. But
0: and let us know how they used the pool. Yeah. Did you, you have? Know?
1: Like, was it only open certain hours so that, you know, to make sure you did other stuff?
0: And how did you prevent people from, like, breaking in and just using it whenever they wanted? Yeah,
1: true. Yeah, I just, I think you get rid of that pool. Yeah, I think that'll save you some money on upkeep and maintenance. And, and um, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary. I mean, the film, this film didn't think it was necessarily, apparently, because it was only there once.
0: Yeah, but it was a lovely scene.
1: I mean, it was a nice scene. It was a scene that I really like in the in the movie in general, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and then, you know, I think the cabins are fine. They're very, like, you know, rustic. They probably could use a little updating, but they function. Yeah, the cabins they, are they, nice. They're functional. The
1: cabins are, are pretty nice. They're, they seemed nicer than the cabins I stayed in when I was in summer camp. But what I want to pa- call attention to is the bathrooms. These bathrooms are the nicest fucking bathrooms there has ever been at a summer camp. Like, they look so clean. And the fact that there's like alleys down to have sex in them is like, yeah, that's, they're probably pretty clean bathrooms although i would add a stall or two I although mean, she does she does have sex in the woods too so maybe she's yeah she,
0: her standards aren't very yeah. high <laughs> she'll let's be
1: real Allie will will get down anyway yeah but hey it's not a bad bathroom
0: for no, it no so no so honestly overall the facilities are fine the the dining hall and kitchens are okay yeah yeah i'm not sure i have very many notes on the no the facilities, the facilities
1: are fine the facilities are the facilities are actually one of the things this camp really has going for it mm-hmm. Yeah, which is
0: why it's bonkers in 3 that their whole activity is leaving the it's facilities not being anywhere around the facilities
1: yeah the facilities in 3 the camp new horizons facilities seem to me like well we can't use these facilities because we actually probably shouldn't be here that's <laughs> right. and that's that's going to come down to herman and lily who yeah. like I, I don't know where to put them category-wise, whether it's facilities and activities or staff, because they're, they're the camp. They're running it. They're managing it. They oh, own it. They're staff. But they're, they are grifters. Oh, yeah. They are fucking grifters. The whole thing is a scam, and they're not taking the camp business seriously. Say what you will about Uncle John, and we will coming up. But he at least was interested in running a summer camp. What Herman and Lily are doing has nothing to do with running a summer camp. So facilities-wise, it's just like, what facilities for New Horizons? Rolling Hills, it's like, yeah, you guys have great facilities. I feel like New Horizons aren't legally allowed to be using the facilities.
0: That is an interesting point. I did always wonder why they were so quick to leave and why they don't do anything with the structures themselves. Like even so far as like, you know, there's a whole thing in, in three about meals. <laughs> like they have to catch their own meals and cook yeah. them because for budgetary reasons. And then like later on, Angela's in the kitchen and everything's in disarray. Yeah. You know, so you might be right. Maybe they aren't allowed
1: to use yeah. them. Maybe they're just... I, uh, I think that in the the one year that's passed since the murders... In Sleepaway Camp 2, like, it's a crime scene or something, and they're just not allowed to be there. But they knew that nobody would be around to check. Yeah. Although
0: the one thing that would argue against that is that they do have, as a staff member... A a, cop. A cop. So, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to know, but let's... Okay. So uh, facilities, activities, uh, we've got notes for two. Three, I don't necessarily inherently think it's a bad choice to divide the group up into threes. And then have them do this sort of like uh, camping out thing, right? And- yeah, no,
1: the the roughing it. It's there's there's like an element of scared straight to it, you know, or like a, like a kid boot camp kind of thing where it's like, no, this is going to be hard. This is going to be diff-. what do they call that in high school when you do um, outward bound? Oh. Is that yeah. it? Mhm. It's it's like that, but like it almost seems, I don't know, it's it's strange. Well, it's strange because it's not structured. No, and it seems like it's part of a social experiment because we have a reporter there interviewing them about this this unprecedented thing that's meant to like put privileged and underprivileged youth in contact with one another, but it's not It's all a scam. Right.
0: So I would say that Barney actually has kind of the right idea of how to make that work. And that's why his team, his group is the most successful.
1: I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's not a sex criminal. (laughs) Right. And
0: he's not whatever Lily is. And yeah, that he actually cares. Yeah. But... He treats this as an opportunity to actually have these kids do things, but also doesn't, he, he like, mentors them in a way. Yeah, yeah, and he's
1: not being super strict with them. He is, like, offering them guidance without, you know, he's giving them structure, Mm -hmm. but he's not, like, being tyrannical or anything. Right, so I I
0: think that his model is a good model to put to the other two groups. That said, (laughs) the exercises, the activities that they do, are Terrible, yeah, they're all terrible. All yeah. these trust exercises, tying people together, blindfolding people, but with no goal. Like that whole blindfolding <laughs> yeah, thing yeah. is like, okay, you're gonna take turns blindfolding each other and tying your hands behind your back for 15 minutes and guiding people around, but like that's for what? it, yeah, yeah for they, what they
1: just weren't thought out no. past you know conception. Like it was just like, yeah, do this, but is there a goal? Is like, what, like, there's no exactly, there's no structure to any of it. So, I think that. I don't. I think you get rid of the trust
0: exercises. You're, you have a, a group of volatile teenagers that you're intentionally having this social experiment to bring in people from very different backgrounds into one setting. And that's not the time for activities like that.
1: No. And again, I think overall, it's the lack of structure. They're not actually being prompted to communicate each o- with each other in any way. They're not being given context for any of this stuff. So yeah, you need to provide that. Uh, It's not a bad idea, but I think you got to scrap it all and come back to the like, okay, we're splitting them up into three groups and then go from there.
0: And as much as I hate to admit it, you use Barney's group as the template for what to do. Like, so you, you have these, uh, this idea of like, okay, we're working together to, you know, provide food for each other, to provide shelter for each other. And then, I don't know. I mean, whatever structured activities you have should be built on that. Yeah. You know, but also it it needs to have an a, like an adult who knows what they're doing present. Yeah, not just somebody sitting in a chair being like, "Go do this."
1: Yeah, and I think you do. Honestly, I think you need access to the rest of the facilities. You know, of course, not the swimming pool. We're gonna get rid of the swimming yeah. pool, but we'll turn it into like a tennis court. Yeah, or just basketball courts. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I,
0: you know what? We're gonna table that. Yeah, because look, the problem here isn't no
1: the activities. I mean, the, the problem is the activities for sure, and the the lack of access to the facilities. But I think the bigger problem with Camp New Horizons is the staff, the management, the people in charge. And and whatever changes you make to the facilities and activities, which I do think you need to make changes to, it's not going to matter if Herman and Lily are still around.
0: So let's let's move on to our next category, because I feel like this is a more important thing to discuss, and that's the staff of the two camps. So (laughs) let's start with Rolling Hills. Okay, so
1: Rolling Hills, it's Uncle John, is the owner? The head of the camp? Yeah. Which, okay, first of all, I don't know why everyone has to call him Uncle John. That's creepy. But yeah, I don't like that. Right away. I'm sorry, John? It's just John or Mr. Whatever. Because this Uncle John thing, you don't... That's weird. That's just confusing. You don't, you don't want kids calling you Uncle in this context it's just and counselors yeah i mean the counselors it actually this is weird but it feels less egregious to have the counselors calling him that because like they're in his employ they're they're older Mm -hmm. also though that's weird what is the age gap between the counselors and the campers because it feels very close it feels in some cases it feels very close
0: well and i would argue that it's Just as problematic being their employer for him to be called Uncle John. Like it's it's creating this like false sense of family
1: that, you know, clearly is is not the case. That's fair. That's fair. But it is, this is, you know, being a summer camp. And I know that it's the thing, and I agree with this sentiment overall. The idea that like any work that tries to prey upon your passion for the work you're doing in order to pay you less is exploitative. And Mm -hmm. I agree with that absolutely but i also do think that there are areas of life where it's like no it really isn't just a career there really is more going on here that you're getting especially if you're like a younger person you know you don't have economic responsibilities or whatever yet you know a summer camp is like one of those gray area jobs but there's just i don't know it feels more like a nickname in that case you know but yeah, I do. I don't disagree with you. I just, I mean, we agree. Scrap the Uncle John. Yeah, nonsense. either way. Just don't call just yourself gone. Uncle anymore. That's we're not doing
0: that. And while we're on the subject of Uncle John, I also feel like he has a very hands-off style of managing.
1: Yes, that's his biggest issue. Is that he is he is so disconnected from the stuff that's happening at his camp that every time Angela quote unquote sends somebody home, he's not aware of it. Right. Or he's not surprised by it when he hears it until the very end when he's like you fucking sent all of these people home you're fired you know and it kind of feels like well John you should have been paying more attention this whole time because he has this buddy buddy relationship with Angela he even offers her a beer at one point which come on man no
0: <laughs> don't do that I mean, she was underage
1: at that point yeah because yeah. she's
0: 21 in part three
1: Oh shit, yeah? Okay. So yeah. so yeah, she was. So that makes it
0: extra creepy. Yeah.
1: But also just just don't drink with your staff. Right. It yeah. just feels, you know. You, I, you know what? You can drink with your staff or you can have them call you Uncle John, but both together that's real weird. Mm-hmm. You don't get to do that. But yeah, I agree. Hands off, that's the biggest problem. Yeah. He he's not aware of anything that's happening at the camp.
0: Yeah, so we need somebody in charge who is going to be more involved.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think John is necessarily incapable of being more involved. I just think that we need to make it clear to him like, hey, you want this camp to work out? Sure, it would help to not have someone murdering everybody. But hey, you know what stops or, well, cuts down on the amount of murders a person is able to commit right under your nose is you fucking paying a little more attention. Right.
0: Would help. Also, a summer camp in which there's only one counselor per cabin... Yeah,
1: that seems weird. Well, I went to a summer camp that only had one counselor per cabin. Really? Yeah. But I definitely didn't get the feeling that there were a lot of counselors around.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure staffing is an issue, just like getting campers is an
1: issue at this point. at this point. Yeah, that's true. With the reputation of the place. But still, you need some more counselors, I think. Yeah. Yeah
0: either way. And the counselors need to be more active. Like I I felt like Angela was the only one in charge of every girl in her cabin. You know, when they were not under her supervision, yeah. then nobody gave a shit about them.
1: <laughs> That's true. I mean, look, this is the shit sisters get to go off and do their thing. Right? And no one is there to catch them until Angela's like, "Well, here we go." And I just don't think you should be able to like I don't know, say set a fire that burns two people to death without somebody noticing and coming along and being like, what's happening here? Right. You know, Angela gets to get away with a lot of shit that I feel like at a well run camp, she would not be getting away with.
0: Exactly. And even outside of Angela's antics, which feels weird to call it that, but outside of that, the tip troll gets a lot of pictures of women with their tops off before angela catches them and if angela if we remove angela from the picture would they have ever been caught
1: yeah that's the other thing we get with charlie and emilio mm-hmm. the tit patrol that's fun <laughs> named after uh star of the movie renee estevez's brothers yeah. what a weird choice yeah right <laughs> be like, oh, we're going to name these uh, two uh, creeps after your brothers. Is that fine? I feel fine?
0: like... I wonder if
1: Renee requested he's, that. I wonder if it was her idea. <laughs> yeah So, the Tip Patrol... And this points to a, a problem because, look, I will go to bat for TC as a head counselor. Mm-hmm. I think TC is a reasonable guy. I think just like Uncle John, he has potential. Yes. Uh, he's a great ghost storyteller. Mm-hmm. He's invested in that. And he does seem to want what's better he's the kind of character that in other movies you know he's a big beefcake dude with a mullet he's a jock himbo yep. and he's the kind of character that could be played very easily as an antagonist and he's not in this film he's very reasonable Mm -hmm. he's constantly like trying to meet angela where she's at and i mean he's not great at it no but who is with angela you know I don't think there's any getting through to her. But he does need to be a little more hands-on, especially with the boys when it comes to, like, acceptable behavior. And you got to tell the tit patrol that what they're doing is wrong. They can't be the tit patrol. Right. And that points... That the very fact that there is a tit patrol is pointing to a failure in TC's leadership as a head counselor.
0: So that, that's what it comes down to. We need... The staff that's there to be more hands-on and more involved, and we need more staff.
1: Yeah, we exactly. We need more staff because look, maybe that's the other problem with TC is that he would be dealing with the tip patrol and like handling some of the predatory behavior and not pulling this. Well, boys will be boys. Well, there is. He does have a boys will be boys attitude that he needs to kind of get over. Which again, we need a tolerance seminar. We need a yes. we need a sensitivity seminar. That needs, we need to send somebody in who can tell TC and John and Angela and the rest of the staff look, this is what we're working with here, as far as like being sensitive to other people's needs and boundaries and, you know, sexism, misogyny, transphobia, homophobia, racism are not going to be okay. Right. And this is what that looks like and this is how we address it and this is how we interrogate that in ourselves when it comes up. So we need that. But also, partly, I think, yeah, TC's maybe would be in front of some of this stuff if he just wasn't spread so thin, having yeah. to deal with all of this shit, you know? Here's the thing. When Anthony and Judd are going to play their prank on Angela, he warns Angela about it. He's like, "These they're going to do this. I don't think it's okay, but they're going to do it. So he's still... He knows when something is, like, maybe not cool. And he's not happy with Anthony and Judd when they go missing, you know? He's mad at them for this, the prank. But, but he doesn't do anything to actually address well, it. Well, he kind of can't by then. Well, I guess he could have. But again, he's spread thin, right? Yeah. He's got so much to worry about.
0: Yeah, I feel like, unlike Uncle John, TC, actually, his problems could probably be solved a lot by just having
1: more staff. Like, Uncle John needs
0: actually kind of
1: a little talking to. I mean, I think they both need a talking to, but I think TC will be more receptive to it, and you won't have to talk to him for as long. But also just, yeah, hire three or four more people. There you go.
0: Now, when it comes to Sleepaway Camp 3...
1: Well, there's really only three staff. Yeah. And it's... um, Herman Lily, and Lily Herman oh, and Barney. So yeah. we just don't Herman and Lily just shouldn't be in a position
0: no. to be in charge of this. There's no fixing them. No, no. Herman is a fucking creep.
1: Yeah, Herman is, as far as I understand, committing a sex crime. Yeah. With one of the campers. And then and L- like even if it wasn't illegal, it's highly unethical. Yeah. He needs to go. Yeah.
0: And then Lily, she doesn't want to be there. Like, she does not care about any of this.
1: Yeah, well, she's she's trying to book a cruise. She's looking at a cruise she wants to go on with the money that they're getting from this. Right. Which, Which is like,
0: how does that work? I mean, I, I think everything that she says explains how that works. Yeah. You know, you find out that the, the people from the more privileged backgrounds are paying quite a lot of money <laughs> yep, for this experience. Yep. And yet, Lily is constantly worried about the a budgetary restraints. Yep. And that's why they have to catch all their own food even though she's eating a steak it's not for them. No, you yeah, know, yeah. Whatever yeah. they eat is stuff that they catch themselves. Yeah,
1: and we're not using the buildings and so we don't have to clean
0: anything. Right. And we're, you know, just camping out in the woods f- whatever uh, we do is just like the resources at hand that we can find yeah and she's not helping at all she's just like hey go do this okay bye well that's what i mean she has no interest in this yeah. she like like you said she's a grifter she's yeah. just there to make money so she can go on a cruise yeah
1: with her creepy husband her creepy husband whose only interest in this is to yeah whatever yeah He's, to be a creep to fuck jan is that her name yeah jan, jan? so you get rid of them <laughs> right right away leadership fired Gone. And also Barney, who is a cop, who is only here for revenge. Right? Well, he's hunting Angela. That's why he's here. Yeah. I Because mean, his I, son
0: was killed. And he, I think it's a dual motivation. I think that he is hoping that she shows up and trying to protect these teenagers in the process. But I think he's also trying to do a good job by them. Yeah. So I I know you're going to fight me on this. I hesitate to say this. But I think you put him in charge. Oh. <sighs> I know, I know. I'm going to be clear, I hate him and I hate his son. Okay, well we'll talk about but... his son in a little bit. What about if he agrees to leave the force so that we can put him in charge to run <laughs> Look, this camp?
1: If he quits the force
0: and and approaches this camp as like a healing thing for himself and for the Yeah, camp. and
1: and takes a seminar Okay. To kind of yeah. deprogram his fucking cop brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Get some of the police. Scrub some of the police out of that brain. And then, yeah. Where this is his whole thing and he's, and it's about healing and, and not revenge. <laughs> and like, because you're right. He does demonstrate an aptitude for working with young people.
0: Especially young people from diverse backgrounds. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, in that regard, okay, sure. Yeah. Fine. Barney <laughs> you're not totally off the hook I'm still a cab but you've got a chance
0: well yeah we're giving him a chance with some caveats you know like he has to accomplish a few things
1: yeah he got to prove himself
0: well that solves that staffing issue pretty easily yeah sometimes you just have to fire some people so let's move on to the campers in part two we have some clearly problematic campers <laughs> and then we have some ones that just maybe need a little more guidance and structure.
1: Yeah, we have campers that, there are a few that are, you know, obviously a problem. The tit Patrol, for
0: example. Yeah, but also, I feel like that could be addressed by more, by better leadership.
1: Yeah, the campers in Part 2, I think, are mostly good kids, you know? Mm-hmm, I, th- yeah. I don't think that... Any of them necessarily, except maybe Sean. I really, really hate Sean. Well, let's talk about Sean him Sean is then. a dick. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Sean. So
0: you think that Sean doesn't, like, should be sent home? Yes. Like, yeah. he's not reformable.
1: Yeah. I think what they were trying to go for with him, maybe, was those, some of those Friday the 13th boyfriend characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Nick from Part 7. Sean from Part eight. Sean from Part 8. Or... I mean, God, maybe, hopefully not fucking Rick from part three. I mean, he does he's have kind some of, Rick Yeah, vibes. well, that's the thing. That's what it is. I hate him because he's a Rick. You and know Rick what? Is the he worst. is a Rick. He's a Rick. Like, he's never... When it comes to all of the, like, sex shaming of Allie, even though his friend is sleeping with her, like, he's okay with the shaming. He's okay... He's part... He's complicit in the shaming. He's complicit in being shitty about Allie. And... I definitely get the idea that his interest in Molly is like not super respectful, you know? Like I do think he's just trying to score with her.
0: Yeah, and he kind of I feel like he kind of sees her as like a conquest.
1: Yes. You know, yeah. like
0: he's he's seducing her. Yeah. And, and he he's
1: he's playing the role of like I'm a good guy, but I don't think he is. I think he's a shithead. I mean, he fucking dead names Angela. Yeah, yeah. Fucking prick.
0: Which is never okay. I don't care what the person did to you. Yeah, and his whole thing. Oh, my dad's a cop. You know what? Fuck you. You think it's cool that your dad's a cop? You suck. Yeah, he does have very
1: son of a cop vibes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. Do you know who my father is? Yeah, it's like... God, cop kids. They're
0: terrible. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. But like... The problem with Sean, and this is the thing with guys like him, they never quite do anything to get them sent home. Right? Yeah, like their their yeah, transgressions ju- never make a list.
1: Yeah, well, because he's so he it's that it's just that cis white male privilege thing, mm-hmm. where it's just this like a miasma of bullying that just radiates off of him without him really having to do anything. Right, it's just this like. This vibe he has that just seems oppressive. He's one of those guys
0: that has a bad case of protagonist syndrome.
1: You <laughs> yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like an Italian, like a Giallo protagonist. He's yeah. like the hero in a Giallo movie where it's just like, I'm me and I'm great. But even more so like, I don't know. It's just like that upper class
0: privileged white dude you see in society now who just thinks they're the main character in every story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he sucks. Fuck him. He sucks. His dad sucks. I hate him. Well, we put his dad in charge of another camp. So God, my, The best thing Sean does is... Is get beheaded? Is get beheaded and then have his head in the TV so that Angela can say, look who's on TV. <laughs> that is pretty That is great. the only time Sean made me smile in this movie. <laughs> I hate him. So he's the, But I think he's the worst camper. Wow, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, aside from maybe the tit patrol who are like aggressively shitty. And then his... Who's his... His friend Rob? Yeah, Rob kind of sucks too. But I don't know. For some reason, Sean just rubs me well, a more
0: sh- profoundly wrong way. Probably because Rob kind of owns his suck a little more than Sean does. Yeah. Sean thinks he's the like nice
1: guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sean definitely thinks he's better than Rob. Sean thinks he's better than everybody. Yeah. Fair. Fuck you, Sean. You're Sean not is than me. the Rick. Yeah. He really he is. He really is the Rick. Yeah. He gets the Rick Award. Dick. But a lot of the other campers are great. I love Demi. Even though she doesn't get a whole lot to do, but when she comes in to tell Angela that she's, like, solved. Yeah, right. She put a lot of time and energy into that. I mean, she's our final girl, basically. Yeah, she put it all together. Because she figures it all
0: out. Well, like, minus the
1: important part of keeping herself alive by figuring out who did it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: she
1: just goes into the murderer's cabin and is like, yeah, so I found all this out. And then doesn't, yeah, doesn't actually put it together. You're yeah. right. Comes very close to putting it together. I love her looking at herself in the mirror and shit while she's telling all the story. And like, also that scene of, of Angela just walking around the cabin looking for something to kill her with. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> so great. It's so good. That's a moment of getting a character, getting to see a character be themselves that I really love. And I'm like, oh, I do this with like, no, and j- fuck. And I, I say this a lot, but maybe Angela has ADHD. That seemed like an ADHD trait to me. Well, because she's,
0: she's really in her own head in that. Yeah. So she's already decided to kill Demi. So now she really is like everything she picks up, she's like in her head. She's not even listening to her anymore. No, she's, she's just she, running it, the scenario yeah, through her head. It doesn't, head. What, whatever else she has to say doesn't matter. So yeah. it's really just like, yeah, exactly. She's playing out like, what would it look like to try to kill her with this? What about this? What about this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's really, yeah, it's it's cute. Yeah. And then she just, you know, she picks a good weapon, the string of her guitar. <laughs> But yeah, Demi's fine. Mare or Mary is fine. I love Mare. Yeah, she's yeah. she's
1: great. She's yeah. she's just
0: doing her thing. Is that I'm, a gun? <laughs> no, it's a drill. No, she says, what are you looking for, a gun? Oh. <laughs> no, a drill. A drill. But like, Mary's just a follower. You know, she, the only reason she got in trouble at all is because she was just, uh, she's just trying to impress Allie.
1: Yeah, she's, she's trying to impress Allie. But she's not like, she's also trying to fi- that's the thing. All of these kids are trying to figure out who they are. Right. And, and their place in the world, et cetera. It's like, that's what you do at this age. And I feel like what I love about this movie is that it's not doing a cut and dry, like bully versus nerd character thing, you know? Like the first Sleepaway Camp movie, Angela is bullied, like pretty relentlessly, and Judy is a Judy. Yeah. Judy sucks. <laughs> Judy's way. She sucks. is a terrible person.
0: But yeah. Allie's not that.
1: No, this movie, it's almost like the issue here is that, and we'll get into Angela, but it's like she's projecting her experience in the first movie onto this relationship between Molly and Allie. And the thing is, Allie and Molly aren't really enemies. And Allie's not actively abusing Molly. No. Allie is fine. In fact, I like Allie and I think Molly is kind of a drag. Agreed. I do I do still like Molly. I mean, she's it's Betty fucking Finn.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I I like Allie more. And also they aren't I mean, there is that conversation where she's like I don't even like you, but that's really about Sean. And it's because yep. like Allie is trying really hard to validate herself through the attention of men. And the fact that there's this one guy here who is not interested in her at all is driving her crazy. And so I don't really hold, especially considering that Allie doesn't do anything super shitty to Molly.
1: Yeah. I don't really hold her accountable for that reaction. when Yeah, when she's angry. Well, and she even says to Molly when she says that she hates her, she doesn't really say, I hate you. She says, you hate me just like I hate you. Right. And it's like when Molly says the thing, when Molly recounts this to Angela, she kind of buries that a little bit. She says, oh, she said she hated me. And it's like, "Mm, no, first she said that you hate her and you didn't disagree right away. Right? Like she called you out the way she saw it. And if you had just had a conversation with her there, that probably would have gotten resolved. But instead you got your feelings hurt and ran away instead of like dealing with it. And, I mean, again, this is a staff problem and an activities problem as well, but Allie isn't bad. And Allie says some, like, she's got some not great opinions and she's privileged and she's sheltered kind. And she's not sheltered from the realities of like adulthood or whatever, but she's sheltered from consequences. I think in that she's not going to both her and Molly don't know how to be uncomfortable yet. They don't know how to work out conflict. And that's what's happening here is that neither of them seem to have a lot of experience with confronting conflict or like sitting in discomfort. You know, they both kind of like follow their impulses when they're faced with that. Of course, their impulses take them in wildly different directions or opposing directions.
0: Well, and that's all very understandable teenage hormonal behavior. Exactly.
1: Because that's the biggest thing here. They're both young. Mm -hmm. They both don't know who they are yet. And so Angela is treating her like she would treat an adult when it comes to the idea of punishing someone, you know? It's very Catholic school nun, you know? It's very, like, it's very Mother Superior in the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. It doesn't come from a place of understanding or a place of, like, I'm an adult and this is a... This is, like, they're not a child, but they are a young adult that is still trying to figure out who they are and how they relate to other people. And so you can't hold them to this, like, standard of, well, you should know better. Like, Allie is going to learn and grow. And Allie, at several points in this movie, demonstrates a a level of self-consciousness and self-awareness that indicates she can grow and that she will become better over time. And in the meantime, there's nothing wrong with her wanting to fuck some guys. (laughs) And yeah, honestly, nothing that she does
0: is really that terrible. Like, she's not... She obviously does some not great things, but it it's all within the realm of, you know, like, again, normal teenage hormonal behavior yeah. and of her trying to just figure her shit out. Yeah. And I think the film knows that. I think that there's this almost play off of this idea of, like, her being this sort of, like, almost a comment on the Judy type. Yeah. That she's she, not going to fall into that trap. Yeah, You know, she's not going to just, like throw it all outward and like abuse other people because of her issues. Yeah. She's just still trying to fulfill her needs. So she goes elsewhere. And, <laughs> you know, it, it becomes very like uh, impulse
1: based. Yeah. But
0: at no point does she actually right? Like she doesn't ever actually hurt somebody.
1: No. I mean the closest she comes is when she's when she says the I hate you, the you hate me thing to Molly. Right. But she never like tries to get revenge on Molly. She never, as far as I can recall, never like tries to play a nasty prank on Molly. Never hits her. You know, she's not a bully. And there's that scene at the beginning where they're both called up to sing the Happy Camper song. And they both have the same like, like, Allie looks embarrassed to be up there. But also like, I don't know, I'm kind of having fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very awkward. So there's a self-consciousness there. There's like a mm, like a little bit of shyness to her as well. And yeah, she's not a bad person. She's not a bully. She's not an antagonist. But yeah, she feels like a comment on that kind of character, almost, where it's like, nope. In fact, you could argue she's Final Girl material.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's what I mean, is that like uh, the film introduces her in a way that it's like, oh, well, this is the one that's going to be the problem, and then very quickly undermines that and subverts that.
1: Yeah, like even the... When when Anthony and Judd go and, and try to pull their prank, and Angela kills both of them, and then she comes back and they like hug her or whatever. They like tackle her, right?
0: Right, because she is wearing, well, she's wearing Anthony's face. Oh, yeah. And has the chainsaw. Yeah. And so they think that she's playing a prank. Yeah. But they, I mean, yeah, she responds positively to it. Like she's like, oh, you thought you got us, you know? Yeah. Like she shit talks Angela.
1: She shit talks Angela because she sees that Angela is singling her out. And she is. Yes. Angela is singling her out and being unreasonably harsh to her and being unreasonably harsh to some of her friends. And she sees that. So she talks shit about Angela, but she doesn't really like, she's not doing anything to make Molly's life more difficult actively. Um, she's just kind of hanging out, trying to have a good time. Get thrown into a pool by a cute guy. Fuck the cute guy in the woods and in the bathroom. Like fucking listen to some music. She listens. She's that great scene with De, with Demi, where she's like playing her music, you know, by the campfire on the boombox. And Demi's like, "You got some good taste for a suburban white cheerleader." Right. And she's like, "Thanks," you know, like she that means something to her.
0: She's a good person. She's just trying to have fun. And that's why she just needs to be at a camp with better supervision yeah, and more activities and no Angela. Yeah.
1: You put her at a camp without Angela, she's fine. She thrives. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do think a lot of her shittier behavior is because of Angela. Right. Like, it's not like she's out there trying to make Molly's life difficult. It's that well, it's her and Molly are kind of... Their personalities are clashing a little bit, mostly because of a guy that they're both into. And Angela is coming in and making that her business and exacerbating
0: the situation and what it is is it's labeling theory the psychological idea that like by telling somebody and treating somebody like a certain label yeah like a certain idea of what you have for them turns them into that yeah you know it exacerbates the problem because then they see you seeing them a certain way you know huh. especially young yeah. and impressionable people it's like the idea of why uh, diagnoses are often should be handled gently because you don't want somebody to be seeing that as part of their identity that they have to take
1: on. Yeah. Instead of just going and being like, well, she's probably fornicating. (laughs) And I mean, she, she wasn't
0: wrong. No, she was literally doing (laughs) that. But But again, by Angela treating Allie in a certain way as this sort of like bad girl, this slut, Mm -hmm. this person of, low virtue that that she, she almost takes that on more.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. She definitely starts leaning into it because it's like, well, if this is where you're going to put me, this is where I'm going to be. Yeah. I like Allie. Molly's fine. I like all the other campers. I like them all except for, of course, Charlie and Emilio, the tip patrol. They're a problem. Yeah. Even the shit sisters. I like, Oh, I love the shit. Sisters. They're fine. I'm a happy camper. I like to drink and fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And if, if you pay me money on my titties, you will suck. <laughs> it's great. They're great. I love it. I love the shit sisters. And they're not harming anybody. No. I do think that they, I mean, they're being a little self-destruct. They're harming themselves well, a little yeah. bit. They're being a little self-destructive.
0: I do fucking love at the end when they're in the cabin, just their like charred corpses, the charred <laughs> skeletons yeah. that between them is the album that says Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah, the Flotsam
1: and Jetsam <laughs> record. Yeah. Hell Yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, it's um they're fine. Yeah.
1: So, I think we can move on to the the campers of part 3. Yeah. The campers of Sleepaway Camp 3, Teenage Wasteland. Wow. What a what a weird group, right? And unlike the campers in
0: at Rolling Hills, we actually get quite a bit more about all these campers because they do a full lineup of naming themselves and where they're from. (laughs) where they're from yeah a little
1: background info yeah even though it's very clear that like i think all of them are from georgia (laughs) that one guy's like i'm from illinois and it's like no No, you are definitely from the south my friend so we our first victim and she it's unfortunately doesn't get to be a camper is maria who i fucking love she is so great i love her she listens to metal she's excited to go to camp she is she's genuinely excited she's, she's genuinely up excited. early yeah. like her
0: her parents whoever her parental figures yeah are, whoever she's living with did do not give a fuck. No. and they're like <laughs> screaming at her to turn everything or turn the music down yeah and she's even like she's so excited she's like do you want to walk me to the bus yeah.
1: and, and they're like no yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck no. you and then she gets killed and it's like very sad because like uh, i like you maria mm-hmm. yeah i want to listen to party metal and you like summer camp that's weird Yeah, it's a bummer because I really would have loved to see her outside of her element and in like, you know,
0: in a place that she (laughs) wanted to go. I think the
1: thing is, the great tragedy of all of this is like, she would have gone there and even without Angela, she would have been taken advantage of and it would have been a bad experience. Right, because she would have been in Herman's group. Yeah, she would have been in Herman's group and that's not good. Uh, She would have
0: been with Jan and who else was in that first group? Herman's group
1: it was jan and snowboy snowboy and peter yes jan snowboy and peter yeah
0: which honestly actually that could have succeeded like the okay lily's group needs some discussion but peter and snowboy were actually getting along yeah they were getting along because they were both encouraging the worst instincts in each other okay okay (laughs) yeah
1: but if they had, had more, and, if they had a better adult there besides Herman? Well, okay, yeah. That's the thing is that like let's assume Herman has nothing to do with this because Herman is going to now be trying to decide if he's going to have sex with Maria or Jan right. or maybe try to get both of them. I oh, the Jan thing is very confusing to me because it's like it almost hints at a prior relationship between the two of them because that happens so quick. Right. It's so weird. He immediately has a pet name for her. Yeah, it's it's real creepy. Yeah. And she's into it. Like she's all about it, which is also so weird.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with Jan is that it, she's impossible to get a hold a handle on because that's her entire role in this film.
1: Yeah, she's got nothing else going on. No. Except for this relationship that might be a crime and is definitely like whether or not it is is not like okay. So uh,
0: that to say, like going group to group, I think yeah. that maria as maria with jan and peter and snowboy i don't inherently find an issue
1: with any of those four i mean peter is peter's a shithead peter's immediately like trying to light off fireworks and shit and like he's being a problem and snowboy spray painting everything so, okay,
0: the thing is, the thing about both uh, the limited interactions we get with Snowboy and Peter and, like, the rest of the group, yeah, they're not they're not behaving their best, but also it's, like, impulsive behavior that you see from a lot of these characters that I think would be better served in a more structured environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I definitely,
1: that, I, again, you get somebody else in charge of this that's not going to let some of this shit fly, you know, because the thing with Snowboy and Peter, it is interesting that they immediately get along Mm -hmm. and that they're immediately kind of like on the same wavelength because they're both kind of just destructive. Right. And I think that's great because they, they find that in each other because Snowboy shows up and immediately you're like, oh, he's the punk rock miscreant he's the vandal he's the spray paint graffiti guy and peter shows up and his he seems very buttoned down he seems very like like a nerd almost when he first talks and then out of nowhere he's just like lighting off firecrackers and shit and it's like oh gosh where did this come from and it's almost like he needed snowboy to be like yeah this is okay and he just responded to that so what you do is yeah you want to keep them busy
0: exactly because they're they honestly when the three of them uh, with Angela, uh, are down at the dock fishing. Yeah. You know yeah. that, I mean, until Peter puts the firecracker in a fish, but that's when they're busy, they actually are working yeah. well together and they're communicating in a positive way. That is true. Also, and- I love that Snowboy immediately turns his uh, camp shirt into a crop top.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that is that is great. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Maybe, And maybe if it's Maria there, you know there it's even better but you definitely need somebody who's not herman Yuck. there to for one not commit a sex crime and for two just to be present right and to be guiding them and to be taking up their time so that they're not like oh i'm bored let's spray paint something or oh i'm bored let's blow something up exactly. so yeah i don't think that any of them are i don't know i mean jan she might be disruptive
0: but we don't we don't we don't, we don't know
1: Well, because that's the other thing is who, maybe she's just going to try to seduce whoever's in that position. But yeah, we don't, none of those kids are terrible. They're fine.
0: Then we move to the next group. Then we move to the next group. And we have some
1: things to talk about.
0: Okay. Actually, before we get to Lily's group, because I feel like there's a lot more to say there, I just want to just quickly say a word about Barney's group, which is Marsha, Anita, Tony, and Greg. I feel like they're all fine. I don't have notes for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't really, we don't get to learn a lot about Greg. Yeah, I mean, Greg's just kind of And Anita, too, actually. Because most of the time we get with their group is spent developing this Marsha-Tony romance, which I love. Yeah, it's cute. You know? Yeah, I think they're fine.
0: Isn't none of them need any major sit downs, and none of them need to go be sent home.
1: No, and in fact, in general, for a movie that's about like <laughs> kids from vastly different socioeconomic environments, there isn't a whole lot of clashing around that, you know, aside from the next group that we'll talk about. Right. But it's yeah, this stuff with. It's just Marcia and Tony are, you know, uh, there's a little West Side Story situation going on with them. A little Romeo and Juliet. But, yeah, they're, I think they're fine. I think yeah. they're all fine. Yeah. As far as we know. You know, for all we know, Greg and Anita might have problems. But because we have an adult that's actually providing some structure for them, we're not seeing them. You know, they might have some snowboy issues. But you put an adult in there that knows what they're doing. Yeah. And the exa- snowboy <laughs> issues don't get to come out.
0: Exactly, and that's why I think that the first group, Herman's group, just needs a better adult. Yeah, the same cannot be said for Lily's group.
1: No, Lily's group. Uh, I mean, again, it might be. Well, no, there's one pretty big problem there, and uh, there's one person that definitely needs to be sent home.
0: I think three of the four of them need to be sent home.
1: Okay, D- uh, please tell me you're not including Arab. No, that's the that's the one <laughs> of four that can stay. I mean, I don't I don't understand what her name is, but. She's great. Yeah, Arab is fine. It's Night of the Demons' own Jill Tereshita. She's terrific. And yeah, she's fine. Yeah, so she can stay. It's the yeah.
0: other three that are the problem. Who, who of those three were you pointing out as the biggest problem
1: in that group? Cindy.
0: Oh, okay. I actually,
1: I actually, I'm going to say this. I actually don't have a problem with Riff.
0: Oh, you mean you didn't have a problem when he like pulled a gun on
1: somebody? No, I thought that was great. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you just need to have a no guns rule. Yeah, I think that's the problem there. Part of the code of conduct needs to be no guns. Let's talk about Riff.
0: I don't know if there is an environment with a, a like a positive adult that would help Riff in this scenario. Well, yeah, no boomboxes. <laughs> but he doesn't seem interested at all
1: in being mm. a part of this. No, we. I, you know, Riff. Here is the thing. I don't want to kick Riff out because Riff has clearly been failed by most adults in his life if not all of them. Right. And he's he, I mean he's, he starts out pretty antagonistic.
0: But yeah, I don't know if there's a time where he's not antagonistic.
1: Well, I'll tell you what we don't know is what it would be like if he wasn't immediately also being antagonized cuz that happens pretty immediately with, with him. Well, just everybody yelling at him about his music, everybody yelling at him about, you know, his attitude. Like that's the thing. It's the labeling thing again. We're like clearly Everyone in Riff's life has said this to him, you know, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're stupid or, you know, your music sucks or you get a bad attitude. So he just starts being more of those things. People tell him he turns music down. He turns it up. People tell him he's got a bad attitude. His attitude gets worse. Like he is someone who, yeah, it's, it's very much a, like, I don't get attention unless it's negative. A lot of his behavior feels like that to me. And I think that you can find adults that are going to know how to like make him respond or make him interested. I know that he doesn't yeah, he doesn't seem interested at all to be there from the get-go, but I don't know. I you don't want to write him off. You know what?
0: I will I will give you that. I will give you benefit of the doubt for riff that there is a version of this camp that would work for him.
1: Yes. I think that there is because one thing that we definitely know is that when Cindy starts her bullshit, nobody's on his side. Nobody is coming to ask him how he feels about what's going on or Mm. to, like, help him. When he reacts to Cindy with anger, they immediately are like, no, that's out of line. That's uncalled for, Riff. And it's like, no, I'm pretty sure that what he's doing is called for. Yeah. Like, she's being openly racist and no one's calling her on it. No, nobody does. I mean... Angela does, but not to Angela does later, yeah. But not in when that, it matters. Yeah, exactly. Not in a way that Riff is made aware of. That's right. the number one thing, is that like Riff has to know you're on his side. And the only way you're going to do that is by confronting her on it in the moment. And yeah, Lily's not going to do that, because Lily's also probably racist.
0: <laughs> Whether she is or not, she doesn't care.
1: Yeah, exactly. She doesn't care because she's not calling out Cindy's racism. Okay, so Riff can stay. Yeah. However,
0: and I want to know, when you went to camp, did they, like, check your bags for contraband?
1: I don't think so. Really? don't remember Okay, so we
0: we had to do bag checks at at the camp I went to. And that's what this camp needs.
1: Yeah, yeah. You need some kind of...
0: Like, you need to take away the fireworks, the The, spray paint, the the gun. gun. Definitely take the gun away. Riff also has a knife, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay, Riff can stay. Cindy and Bobby, though... (sighs) Cindy for sure has to.
1: Cindy go. Cindy for sure's got to go. Cindy's just like an outright bigot. Yeah, she you know? uses the n word. Yeah, she uses the n word. She says rap That's music. Hard is stop. Rap out. She says she uses more than one slur. Yeah, she's a problem. She's a she sucks. She's just awful around the fucking every metric. Cindy's a bad person. Mm-hmm. So she goes. So she goes. Yeah.
0: And then Bobby, Bobby's like the cartoonish Sean, where he thinks of himself as the like good guy yeah but he's not
1: he's not he's not a good guy but also i hate to say this i hate to go to bat for bobby for bobby bobby who's going to be a problematic politician in his life like who is going to be a gop senator doing awful shit Mm -hmm. but this is the thing i think this is where you have to catch those guys at this age to like deprogram them a little bit because i've known a few guys that are like bobby that like Maybe somebody comes in at the right time. I don't know. But they like turn. They change. Mm-hmm. They, they, they seem like they're destined for that road. And then they, they take a hard left. And they're not that guy anymore. And I don't know in those guys' situations. I don't know exactly their whole life story. But Bobby, for some reason, there's a thing about Because he's trying to introduce himself to everyone right away at that camp. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to meet people. And he takes Riff's anger kind of well you know yeah I he's just like that. cool man okay cool he says i love when he says cool man <laughs> you know but he's immediately like trying to make friends with people of course his whole like i thought she wanted it your type always wants it mm-hmm. like that's his problem right and i think if you get an adult that can be like hey man that's not okay that's not the way shit is like that's not cool then maybe bobby's fine Okay, so we're giving Bobby a chance at this camp. I'm okay with that. I support it. It's, it's weird because he's definitely, you know, he's got some misogyny in him. But also, like, what cis, het, white dude at that age from the environment he's from being basically, like, a path laid out for you to be a politician, you know? He's, a, he's another one of those guys. It's like, he's from the school from Heathers, basically, you know? He's this privileged piece of shit in a privileged piece of shit world. Like, of course he's going to have these shitty thoughts. And maybe if you call him on it, because he that's the other thing. Bobby doesn't seem, like, super into it. He's not aggressive about any of this stuff. It, he hasn't, like, taken it as his own, True. if that makes sense. It seems like he's just like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be, so this is what I do. Even him being a creep to Angela, it seems like it's just like, well, I thought this is what I was supposed to do kind of a thing, you know? It seems like all, his problems are more based in ignorance. And a lack of like challenging himself, than they are in a like. Well, I, this is the worry. You know, what? I don't know if that makes sense. It does.
0: And you know what? Honestly, maybe with the right adult in charge of that group, the original group before Angela comes and breaks it up. Yeah, there could be growth there because neither Arab or Cindy was going to indulge Bobby. Oh, sorry, we're getting rid of Cindy. I, never yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, Cindy's gone. Yeah, Cindy's we'll gone replace gone her entire. with somebody. Better suited to be able to, you know, grow in this environment. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe Bobby would have a better chance just with the right adult around.
1: Yeah, I think he might. I I mean, I don't want to go to bat for him entirely. He's, I want to say he's on probation. Like, we don't, we don't ask him to leave immediately. We just kind of like keep a closer eye on him. Keep a closer eye on him. Be a little more active, actively involved. I mean, Riff and Arab are going to need that too. But, a doesn't need anything. She's no, just she's great. Fine. She's yeah. just great. She dumps the coffee out when they're like, you have to go to the other group. <laughs> and she, says, that's just, she dumps the coffee out and goes, that's just fucking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love her. She's great. Yeah. So I think that brings us to the core problem yeah, of I both mean, these camps. Because you can fix all of these things. And if Angela's there, eh, we're still going to have a bad time at summer camp. Yeah. This is still not going to be a successful summer for your camp if Angela's there.
0: Because Angela is addicted to murdering people. Yeah, And honestly, to me, in both these movies, her reasons for killing people are just flimsy excuses. She's not this champion for morals. She's just looking
1: for reasons. So I I have this hesitancy when it comes to the Sleepaway Camp sequels, and I always have. Whereas, I I love the first movie, as problematic and transgressive as it is. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. And I think it's terrific. And the sequels, though, have long had this, like, I don't know if it's ironic or what, but there's this popularity, especially I notice a lot of, like, queer pockets of horror fandom really celebrating the Sleepaway Camp sequels. And I've never really gotten it because it's always struck me as, like, but Angela is like an Anita Bryant. is like a conservative busybody. She's shitty. So what is it about that that's appealing? Is it like a reverse hag thing? Is she is is it a exploitation quality? That this watch really did make me understand though that like she's toothless in that way. Because it's you can't take her conservative ideology stuff seriously. Because she's just looking for excuses. That's all it ever was. Mm-hmm. But there's also like a Pamela Voorhees thing going on with her. There's also a like weaponized, poisoned final girl thing going on with her, where she has all these traits of a final girl. But this is what happens when that goes wrong.
0: Right. And I I mean, I think it really comes down to a combination of the supporting cast. Yeah. And then also Pamela Springsteen's performance. And She's you, so
1: great. She's great. Yeah. And what
0: you end up getting is a version of... Beverly Sutphin from Serial Mom. You know, it's like, yeah. that's that's the kind of thing, like, nobody but, wants <sighs> Beverly Sutphin in real life.
1: Yeah, but yeah. But the yeah, version
0: yeah. that we get of her in Serial Mom is amazing, and you root for
1: her, yeah. in a way. In a way. But also her, it's, the camp of that is elevated, one, because it's John Waters, but there's also, it's a very specific, like, housewife homemaker thing, which makes it an inversion of a misogynist, gender role, you know, it's, well, it's, it's like a drag version of it, you know, it's an exaggerated version of it. So it also gets to point out the poison of that. So maybe that's the issue with like, I just, it's Pamela Springsteen's performance is very great because of just how like oblivious it is, you know, right. How oblivious she seems, how like the lack of self-awareness is so terrific. So it has that kind of like, yeah, draggy campy component to it. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. The material just always felt not campy enough to me. But maybe it is. Yeah, it's we get to see the shitty busybodies for what they actually are, which is psychopaths. Right. (laughs) Who are just looking for an excuse to hurt others or to destroy others. And I like the second movie better than the third one, because in the third one, there is much more of that. Like, oh, these people deserve it kind of a thing and it almost like makes her seem like a hero in some situations when it's like eh, she's not though
0: agreed but i also do feel like both movies you know do a good job of having characters to root for that are not angela
1: yeah well yeah th- three definitely gives you enough of that because even with like the interest she takes in marcia which is a lot less than the interest she takes in molly it's almost like angela learned a lesson from the second movie in that way but whatever. The, the point is, is that, yeah, I don't think that Sleepaway Camp 3 has a noticeable lack of people that seem reasonable by comparison, but it's just that Sleepaway Camp 2 is just so explicit that, like, no, these, a lot of these people would be just fine <laughs> if it weren't for her. She is the problem. Right. Like, everyone else is super aware, and it almost even seems like they indulge her in a way because they're like they they know that she's childish. They know that she's naive. They know that she's a little off and that there's something wrong with her. But they almost just like play along with it because it's like, well, this is what she needs. She likes singing songs. She likes camping. So we'll make her counselor of the whatever, you know. We'll give her a little ceremony. We'll let her sing her happy camper song. We'll indulge some of the stuff that she does that we find weird because we are fostering community. Because we understand that sometimes you make concessions for someone because Hey, they are of value because they're here. And Angela is not doing that at all. She is treating everything like it's a federal crime, you know? Well, again, she's she's just looking for reasons to kill.
0: Yes. I mean, she literally runs over somebody with a fucking garbage truck (laughs) to take (laughs) take her her place. place so that she can go kill some more.
1: Yeah. And the th- the the sad tragedy of that is is that her and Maria probably would get along because Maria's excited to be camping. That's the fun thing. It's almost like Maria's the Molly. Like Maria would have been our final girl in this film that Angela would have like projected herself upon. But instead of doing that, <laughs> wasting all of the time of getting to know her and project her experiences upon her, she just says, "Nope, fuck it. I'm just gonna kill you and be you." Well, it just so in that way, there's like a comment on the final girl thing too. So, how do we fix her? The problem with
0: fixing Angela is that as we know from her is that she's already had a lot of people trying to fix her including doctors, psychiatrists, even clergymen. She did 2 years of therapy, electroshock, she was on every pill you've ever heard of <laughs> in her words, plus an operation. So, is she fixable?
1: Yeah, no. I feel like I feel like we've I feel like enough tries have been made. <laughs> well,
0: and the other problem what that suggests to me is that she's really good at convincing people that she's okay.
1: Yeah, it's a mask she wears, for sure. Yeah, that, I mean, that is that is a
0: personality disorder. Yeah. And those are notoriously hard to fix. Yeah.
1: And I never want to be the one that's like, well, some people just shouldn't be in society, but maybe Angela has had her tries, you know?
0: Well, I don't think you have to remove her from society.
1: I think you need to remove her from summer camp. <laughs> she's just not allowed at any summer camps. No, or no. near any lake. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we had it right to begin with when we were like, let's just take her away from all of this because you can't do any of the fixing. You can't revamp a camp if Angela's there. No. You know, she's not going to let you revamp it. Because her standards are unreasonable because yeah. she is just
0: looking for reasons to kill.
1: Yeah. If anything, Angela in these movies is a testament to like the dangers of forcing someone to a gender role that they don't identify with yeah you know like a lot gets said about how you know there is a transphobic element to the first film and i know i'm not the person to do this but i do think it is worth at least addressing that like she is not trans angela is at least in that first movie she is a boy who is forced to live as a girl So it's almost... From a young
0: age. From a young age. After a significant trauma where she lost her parents. Yeah. Which I feel like is important because at that time when her aunt was forcing her to live this life, she was not in a headspace to be able to
1: combat it. She she didn't have gender dysphoria as a boy. She had gender dysphoria when she was made to live as a girl. And you... Look, I'm not going to say there's not problematic angles to that. Right. Especially now. But... I do think it is a clear distinction, an important distinction, at least, that, like, if anything, this says that, like, not receiving gender affirming care is a problem.
0: I think that's an incredibly important distinction.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's what broke her, is this idea that she was forced to live in a gender that she didn't, that was not hers. I mean, we'll never know because she was never allowed the uh, option to choose. Yeah, she, the, the, the care that she received was not gender affirming, it was gender denying yes so there you go this is what happens (laughs) this is what happens when you out when you make it illegal for someone to receive gender affirming care and i also like to maybe think though that like maybe whatever angela's issue is is bigger than anything like she's just a psychopath she just wants to kill people yeah like her gender identity is maybe irrelevant even because she just wants to kill people and I think that's the thing with these two movies is they kind of just like are like, yep, sex change and then moving on. And it's like, well, you don't, one, <laughs> you don't say that anymore, you know, but it's 1988. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? Different time. Yeah. So yeah, Angela, you don't get to go near. Yeah, we're camps. just, we're just not. Sorry. We can't, if we're going to revamp this camp, we can't have Angela around. No, that's just that. She doesn't get to come back. Sorry. And I know it's going to
0: break her heart, but at the same time, we have everybody's lives to worry about yeah think about other people i don't think she's capable no well again (laughs) so that's our camp revamp we have revamped the camp yep so camp rolling hills and camp new horizons you're welcome you have been revamped
1: i mean since we fixed camp rolling hills there isn't going to be a camp new horizons
0: you know what that's a good point actually and that's okay
1: yeah i mean Honestly, you want the camp that has access to the facilities and doesn't have empty first aid kits and isn't going to not pay for a garbage service because it's too expensive. Right. You know, I mean, not to say you can't incorporate the idea behind Camp New Horizons, like the good intentioned idea, not the, not grifting, the grifting to idea. go on a cruise idea, but the like getting kids from different socioeconomic environments together. Uh, you can do that at Camp Rolling Hills. You just have to staff it <laughs> more and, uh, and get rid of the pool. And yeah, you're golden. Yeah. Have some seminars about how to talk to people and, you know, get Barney to quit the force and bring him aboard. And then just don't let Angela anywhere near it. And you got yourself a camp. And John, you don't get to call yourself uncle anymore. That's not allowed. And everything's fine. And everything's fine. We're good. Cool. Well, glad yeah. we solved that problem. Yeah. Tell your ghost
0: stories. You're revamped. Okay, so we fixed them. Cool, man. So we will see you next time if we're still alive. And until then, have a nice life. (laughs) What's left of it.
1: (laughs) So you're underprivileged, huh? Bye. Good luck. TTFN.